Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. If this is your first time listening to us, thanks for stopping by. We really appreciate your patronage and support here at Locked On Jets and at the Locked On Podcast Network. If you enjoyed tonight's show, make sure you follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast's Twitter handle at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for new episode announcements and general Winnipeg Jets news. Also, be sure to subscribe to us on Megaphone, Apple, Spotify, and Google to keep up with the latest episodes. Tonight's going to be a bit more of a laid-back episode. One of our other podcast producers mentioned that it might be a cool idea to talk about things that we're thankful for. It's the eve of Thanksgiving, and a lot of Americans uh, will be getting together and and spending time with family, friends, uh, and enjoying a nice Thanksgiving dinner. In lieu of this uh, Thanksgiving Eve, I thought I'd tell you a couple of stories. I've had a lot of really amazing things to be thankful for, and, you know, for one thing, I'm definitely thankful to even have this opportunity to be hosting my own podcast. I consider it a privilege that I get to talk to you about the this, this stuff that I'm really passionate about, and uh, the, the fact that you guys are all listening means a great deal to me, so from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to thank you. Our first story tonight will be especially fun for those who are Winnipeg Jets fans. I'd like to talk to you about the first time I actually went to see a Jets game, which was in May of 2018 during the uh, the run that we thought would be the Stanley Cup run. It was a truly special trip and one of my favorite uh, trips abroad that I've taken. Even though Canada and the U.S. are pretty similar, it was definitely my first time going to Winnipeg. It was a small city and I'd heard a lot of different things about it. A lot of people always have this sort of funny image about the city. I think that it's a small working class town with an underground culture um, and a very vibrant spirit that... As a Baltimorean, I can appreciate. I come from a city that's, at this point, basically known for for being the wire in a lot of respects. Um, And obviously that's not really true about Baltimore. There's a lot here that we have that we're very proud of. Baltimore very closely guards its heritage, its history, and its sports teams. And I think in a lot of respects, Winnipeg uh, bears a lot of similarities to that. I think both residents of Baltimore and of Winnipeg have kind of a self-deprecating attitude about things because of how much they really treasure and value the places they're from. When I first got to Winnipeg, I immediately felt like I was very much at home. I felt very comfortable, um, and I was met by a number of folks from Twitter uh, who I'd met through the Winnipeg Jets fan groups and stuff. I'll leave their names out uh, for this one, but if you're listening, just know I love and appreciate you guys, and that you're all wonderful people. Um, and it was it was really nice meeting folks who were like-minded and who were so welcoming. On the flight to Winnipeg, I actually had the uh, opportunity and the pleasure to meet a number of true North Sports Entertainment executives who were on the flight back from the Nashville game. It was kind of funny because I was wearing a Patrick Line jersey, and that's the one that always gets comments. People always ask about it and want to know what team it is and where I got it from, and and then that usually kind of leads to a discussion of how I even became a Winnipeg Jets fan in the first place. The folks at True North were very kind and, and fun to talk to, and it was kind of neat to, to get a sense of what was going on and, and hear from them how their trip to Nashville was. Nashville's definitely a, a different kind of arena and a different atmosphere than what you hear about from Winnipeg. It's on my personal bucket list to visit at some point, but, you know, it's kind of hard to get tickets down there, so one day, when I got to Winnipeg, it was around the time of Game 3 of the Jets Pred series. I believe Winnipeg had won the first game or the second game, one of those two, so they were coming back with basically an even series record. Going around the city, you could get a real sense of the hype building up to this this matchup. Everyone had been talking about Preds-Jets as essentially the real Stanley Cup battle. Most people felt that if the Jets had beaten the Preds, it was going to be their year, and I I definitely was subscribing to that notion. That Winnipeg team was by far the best Jets team I've ever seen, live or on TV. 
the stuff that that team was capable of doing, and how it essentially dominated play in all facets of the game. It was a truly extraordinary time, and one of the best one of the best hockey teams I've had the pleasure of watching. Even still, I wasn't fully prepared for my first time visiting the Jets. Um, I I had tickets to Game Four, and then I entered a Twitter contest for Game Three. Game Three is the one that was truly truly special. Game Four I think was a loss, but Game Three, oh man, Game Three, where do we even begin? It was an extraordinary comeback win. The Jets had found themselves in a 3-0 hole against the Preds, and it sort of felt like Hellebuck was kind of at the end of his rope and that the team really didn't have anything uh, going for it. And then all of a sudden, Paul Stastny, who the Jets had acquired at the trade deadline, just sort of flicked a wrister or something. And I was at the other end of the ice where none of us actually knew what was going on. We could hear half of the arena starting to cheer and, and scream and yell, but they didn't even know that the goal was scored because there was no announcement. No one had even seen that the puck essentially tipped underneath one of the in- interior bars and back out. I'm sitting there with my friend, and I'm I'm looking around, and I'm very confused as to what's going on. I'm like, why is everyone cheering, and why is our section the only one that's not standing? Then came the video review that announced that Paul Stastny had, in fact, actually gotten the puck to cross the line, and then the place kind of went nuts. Um, but even then, the Jets were still down 3-1, so there was a bit of work to do. And then a few minutes later... Dustin Bufflin, I think, had the second goal, and he threw, I think, a, a, either a long-distance shot from the point or something that just seemed to find its way past Rene. You could kind of feel that Winnipeg was starting to grow in confidence in the game. I mean, they were pelting Rene left and right, and then right after Bufflin had scored his goal, then Truba decided to, you know, cash in near, like, a net front rebound. I know MTS has a big reputation for being an extremely loud arena, but that place absolutely took off. We were literally jumping in our seats, and we were so excited because unfathomably, here came this plucky Winnipeg team that really wasn't as plucky as I made it out to be. But still, you know, this is the Preds. They're a fantastic playoff team. They hold on to leads. They have a stellar defense. They have a great forward unit. This was supposed to be a bit of a a juggernaut versus juggernaut battle. And here the Jets had battled back from adversity to tie the game. It truly was one of those moments that you just have to see in person. I mean, there's no way to describe the feeling of the, the Winnipeg whiteout as you experience it live. There's so much noise, so much chaos, so much pure raw energy, and it was a fantastic experience being there at Game 3, where the Jets then ended up winning. As we were coming out of Bell MTS place, uh, the crowds were essentially running through the streets, people were high-fiving us as we were walking out of the arena, the watch party was now a dance party. I mean, it's a really magical time, and I, I really treasure it as one of my fondest memories. I'll be honest, there aren't many times when a pro sports franchise has a chance to win a title. And so, for this moment in time, you know, it felt like everything had just aligned to be perfect, and you could feel like the Jets were so close to a cup win. I do find it hilarious that the team that's actually geographically closest to me, the Washington Capitals, ended up being the one to hoist the cup. If the Jets and the Caps had actually made the cup final, that would have been like the worst split loyalty for me ever. Both the Caps fans and Jets fans, but mostly Caps fans, have really suffered waiting for a championship title. Despite the eventually bitter end, I think that my trip to Winnipeg was one of the best trips I've taken. Um, and it's funny because I, I, I sort of lounged around and just sort of relaxed and kind of got a sense of, you know, going to some small coffee shops, taking walks around the city, going shopping here and there. I took it very much a, a nice leisurely vacation. Um, and it was all a nice build up to those explosive, explosive nights in the arena. And it was a really fantastic experience, one that I'll never forget. I've definitely had the privilege to visit some really cool places, and that's that's near the top of my list. Um, and I'm definitely planning to go back sometime next year. 
I hope it's for another playoff game, but I, you know, I'm not really holding my breath at this point. I think that this team still has a lot of work to do and a long way to, to, to go, so we'll see. I am thankful to all the individuals who made that trip possible, including the Jets, uh, the folks that I met at the airport and spent time with during my stay in Winnipeg, um, and to a number of other folks who were constantly in communication with me, helping me find my way around the city. It was a super fantastic experience, and I'm grateful to everyone involved. If I'm, if I'm ungrateful to one party, it's probably Winnipeg's transit system. I really need y'all to sort that part out because it was very confusing getting on the wrong bus. I seriously, no lie, spent an hour to get to a mall that was supposed to be 10 minutes from where I was. You know you're definitely some kind of lost when the bus driver turns around, looks at you, and says, Hmm, I think you've gotten off at the wrong stop. Much like the rest of Winnipeg, though, the driver was very helpful and, and navigated me to the correct stop so I could actually get to the mall in a decent amount of time. All in all, a truly extraordinary trip. The next vacation I took, which ended up being another sports-related trip, I think most of my vacations are now sports trips, um, was to see Borussia Dortmund over in Germany. Um, but before I tell you a bit about that trip, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve, and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Listening on the go? If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. That's LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard so far. To continue our Thanksgiving story time, our next little tale is about a trip I took to Germany this past March. I'd say over the past couple of, of years, I've become a diehard European football fan. Um, I'm a huge Borussia Dortmund supporter and also a fan of the Wolverhampton Wolves. Uh, and and kind of like how I went to Winnipeg to see the Jets, I also decided I really wanted to see some, some football action in their actual locales. I don't know if you're overly familiar with Borussia Dortmund. I think most Americans and North Americans in general are familiar with them because they, they once had Christian Pulisic on their roster. Pulisic is, of course, one of the top American prospects and definitely a cornerstone of the U.S. men's national team. Ironically, I knew about Borussia Dortmund before because of their jerseys. Uh, they have a very distinctive black and yellow design, and they've had that for many, many years. And I was also familiar with them because of the FIFA covers that used to have Marco Reus on the cover. If you know who Marco Reus is, you kind of know that he's a pretty distinctive person. And as far as German football goes, he's probably one of the most well-known players. Germany doesn't have quite the reputation of, of football prestige as a, a nation like England or Spain does, but they definitely have a very fun league. I find Bundesliga to be very entertaining, and this season especially has seen a lot of chaos at the top, which means that there's a lot less predictability between teams like Bayern, Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and some of the other mid-table teams. Dortmund, however, kind of stands above the rest for a couple of key reasons. I think one of the first ones is that they have a very unusual history. Like a couple of, of northern German teams, they do have a, an industrial history and like a mining background, which is unique to Dortmund and another town called Gelsenkirchen. Um, these mines were, for a long time, a pivotal part of the, the local economy, and until recently, uh, many of them still were. I think that working-class, down-home, gritty appeal is kind of why Borussia Dortmund especially attracted me. Uh, I'm also a Ravens fan. I like the Winnipeg Jets. These are all teams that come from working-class, blue-collar cities with an earnest, hard-working appeal. Dortmund, like those other teams, also had a, a strong connection to its fan base, and I feel like Dortmund is especially close to its fans because of how close the team came to folding several years ago. 
When you go to Dortmund, I think the first thing that you'll end up noticing is what they call the yellow wall. Uh, in European football, they have a giant supporter stand in almost every stadium where the most hardcore ultra fans will stand and chant for the entire match. Um, and Borussia Dortmund has one of the largest fan, fan sections in all of Europe. I believe they have a standing capacity of 24,000. If you've never seen or heard the Yellow Wall, I highly recommend that you check them out on YouTube. They're a fantastic site and one of the truly greatest spectacles in sports you'll find. Going to Germany to see Dortmund was actually the first time I've ever been to Europe. Um, I don't get to travel outside of the U.S. very often, so when I do, it's, it's a rare and unique opportunity. Um, and going to Germany, I'd, I'd heard a lot of things about it. I know a lot of my friends who've gone, uh, and I know a few people who have actually gone to Dortmund matches as well. Uh, but even then, it was still, I really wasn't prepared for what I was going to experience. For one thing, Germany seriously loves change, and they love trains. I didn't like the change thing all that much because I'm used to carrying around a credit card and cash. Uh, but they definitely like their coins. You have to use coins for almost everything, whether it's, you know, paying meters, um, you have to pay a toll to go to the bathroom, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then the transit system is basically train-centric because they have a really, really sophisticated, well-mapped, well-planned-out train system that runs through all the major cities, through local municipalities, and occasionally to other countries. So if you want to do a border trip to, say, Amsterdam within an hour or two, you can definitely do that. Germany is a very cool country, um, and it's definitely one of the favorite places that I visited. Most of the folks there were pretty helpful and friendly, and if you kind of got lost or needed some advice, there'd usually be somebody willing to help you out. Going to Dortmund is, is sort of a unique experience because Dortmund itself is very small. It's kind of like Winnipeg in the sense that it's essentially a city that's actually more like a gigantic town. Dortmund is a thousand times smaller than Winnipeg, though. It's an extremely small industrial town with, you know, a limited shopping center, a couple of restaurants and bars, uh, the football museum, which is a really cool place if you've never been. Um, and then there's Borussia Dortmund Stadium itself, the Westfalenstadion. It sort of feels like the entire city just feeds into Borussia Dortmund's home home base. I mean, the place is a massive monument to sporting events, and it's truly a unique experience. If you have a bucket list of, of places that you want to go, and say a soccer game is at the top of it, then Borussia Dortmund should honestly be on the top of that bucket list. Going there is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and the fan base there is unlike any else in the world. It's truly a unique experience and one of the best things I've ever seen. I had the privilege of going to two matches, including a Champions League match against Tottenham Hotspur and a uh, domestic league game against VfB Stuttgart, who actually got demoted this past season. It's a super crazy place, and when you go, you kind of find that there are a lot of things that are definitely fan-friendly. All of the concessions are very reasonable. The gift shop is huge and really, really awesome to, to kind of browse around and check out the sites. The stadium architecture is beautiful. Um, the seating arrangements are very comfortable, and then there's the supporter section, which is just a massive, 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 loud, vibrant thing. I don't even know how to describe it. It's hard to put into words. That's why it's one of those things I recommend that you just go see in person, because there's no other way that you can get an appreciation for just how impressive being at a Borussia Dortmund match is. I will say that getting tickets is a little bit challenging. You kind of need to know somebody at the club uh, or have a contact on the ground, but if you can find a way to get there... It's worth time and effort. I think I'm most grateful for the fact that I get to have these experiences in the first place. I know that these are pretty special events, and I've now had the opportunity to experience two very different ends of the spectrum, you know, going to Winnipeg and to Dortmund over the past two years. It's something that I really recommend if you have the time and you can afford it, try and make the effort. Going abroad and seeing a sporting event is unlike anything else you'll find stateside or in Canada. It's just a special one-of-a-kind event.
Who knows, you might just come home with a few extra trinkets and souvenirs too. Before we close out, our final story will be about uh, one of my side hobbies, which is game-worn hockey jersey collecting. Um, But really, I found that it's all about the people that you meet and the connections you make along the way. Before we talk about that, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Wow, you're still here. Thanks for sticking around for this final segment. For those of you who followed me on Twitter prior to the uh, the podcast, you probably know that I'm a big jersey collector. I've been collecting jerseys for probably eight years now, I would say. Something about the aesthetics and the designs of jerseys just really speaks to me in a way that a lot of other clothing pieces just don't. In particular, I, I gained a real appreciation for game-worn hockey jerseys, uh, which comprises the majority of my collection. I'd say the majority of my collection is in some way shape or form Winnipeg Jets related, but I definitely have a variety of teams from other parts of the NHL or junior hockey and that kind of stuff. While I really do love my collection and I I take great passion in it, I think the most important part is the people and the friends that I've met along the way. I would say that I probably have more friends who are game-worn collectors than I have in any other capacity, Um, and that's just because I've met so many people in the community, and we're all pretty like-minded in most respects. Um, we, We sort of all get along and we have Uh, great times together at expos, at hockey games and trips, and just kind of chatting with each other on social media. The game-worn collecting community is one of the more remote communities that I've I've been a member of, and I've been collecting probably for five years now, specifically game-worn jerseys. Um, I kind of got into it out of a Craigslist ad um, back when I didn't have a job or any money, so I, I couldn't buy this jersey, but the guy who I was talking to actually ended up becoming one of my mentors in the hobby, and I count him as one of my closest friends. I think in this day and age of office productivity and limited social time and outings, I think it's really unique when you manage to find a community and a niche that you immediately fall into. That was kind of what happened with me with game-worn jerseys. I really wasn't expecting the community to be part of, you know, my my daily routines and stuff, but I think that as far as my social well-being and and health is concerned, I'd say the game-worn community has been a major part of it. You know, I'm in my mid-twenties, and yet a lot of times it's hard to meet new people and and get out and do stuff. So game-worn jerseys were sort of a way for me to branch out um, and kind of get more adventurous and start talking to more people, uh, especially in an environment where I can actually have rapid communication channels. My day-to-day routines usually don't allow me to to get out much and do other stuff. What I find most remarkable is is that these other collectors, a lot of them are, are very kind people. Um, and if you reach out and want to talk to them or have a casual conversation about how life is going or talk through some difficult times, they're always willing to help. And they're one of the few communities that I'm truly grateful to be a member of. Jersey collecting kind of gave me a focus and a hobby to dedicate my time to uh, and kind of channel some of my passion into before I, I got into hockey writing and, and now podcasting. And so for me, this community means a lot as far as my foundational growth in, in side hobbies is concerned. I've always had an interest in the humanities and history because I feel like storytelling and the narratives that we we share with others, is, you know, helps define what we are, um, and especially what we become down the road. And so for me, game-worn jerseys are kind of a way to connect to that in a very physical manifestation. I know it sounds kind of silly, but I think one of the funniest things is just pulling out a jersey and thinking, wow, you know, somebody created history in this, and you kind of get a sense of the moment that that happened. And when somebody scored like this miraculous goal, or a series-winning goal, or made a stupendous save, you get a sense of that history from just picking it up and, and looking at each individual thread or torn 
area, maybe a puck mark here and there, you get a sense of it, even if you weren't there yourself. At the end of the day, though, a jersey is still a jersey. It's a piece of clothing and equipment, and I think the most important part of the hobby is, is the people that I've met along the way. As I mentioned earlier, some of my closest friends are all in the game-worn collecting community, and I'm always grateful that I've had the opportunity to be a member of this group. Even if I eventually walk away from collecting down the road, I know I'll never walk away from the friends I've made. They're such a supportive group of people, and I'm so glad that I had the chance to meet them in this lifetime. In keeping in the tradition of the Thanksgiving spirit, what are you most thankful for? Who would you like to thank in your life? Let me know at HLLivingLoco or at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. I'm always curious to know about the backstories and personal lives of those I come into contact with. And with that, I'd like to thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. We'll be back online next Monday. If you'd like some content in between, please be sure to check out at LO underscore Canadians to hear some Montreal Canadiens news from Scott Matla and Laura. They're both brilliant hockey superfans, and I think you'll love their podcast. Thanks again, and go Jets go!